Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about how, how to love and uh, how to take care of your physical body, how to build a relationship with it. So you see, I think that going, depending on where you are, it's close to impossible to go to loving your body. I think that understanding your body is the first place that everybody should start. Because there are too many people on the face of this planet that detest their bodies or that are completely disconnected with their bodies. So I think listening to your body and understanding your body is step one of that process. You know, feeling like your body is your ally and then everything else comes afterwards. So like loving your body is, is stratosphere. We're still trying to crawl here. So this first step would be to understand it. Completely, yes. Yeah, and how would you, uh, where would you start? And uh, like, what does it even mean to understand your body? Because most people don't. So, A, a lot of people take their bodies for granted, right? So let's start there. So, you know, they just feel that because they were born, you know, they were, you know, they're born in this body and so it's like inherently theirs. I think that the one important distinction to make is that your body is borrowed. It is like a nice piece of clothing, so to say, for your soul. And it is borrowed. It does not belong to you, right? I don't know if you've ever noticed, but like people tend to take better care of things that are borrowed a lot of people than things that are theirs yeah because you have to return them absolutely (laughs) yes you totally do now of course people don't think of dying as a construct and a process of returning something that does not belong to you because they think it does like their bodies do belong to them by the way and and that is like the biggest paradox of this reality They completely associate themselves with their body on the one hand and completely disassociate themselves with their bodies on the other hand. Hmm. So it's like I am the body, right? Yes. So on the one hand, I am the body and, you know, I'm only alive for as long as this body is alive. Right. So full, like full identification with that. Right. Because some of the higher centers are not working properly yet. And, you know, incarnation, reincarnation is not necessarily a thing for the majority of humanity. And the, uh, on the other hand, you're so disassociated from it that you don't necessarily treat it like your temple. 
A. B, you don't necessarily bother to understand to understand what it wants, what it doesn't want, what it what it does like, what it doesn't like. So you're in complete disassociation with it because 99% of the signals that your body sends you, you are not able to understand or willing to act upon, right? So when one gets incarnated, they have a contract that they enter into within with a particular lineage and planet Earth, right? So it's like, the ancestral lineage that they selected and Gaia both need to sign off on the fact that yes, we are going to lend you our carnal energies, our third dimensional energies, so you could experience this reality, right? So in essence, you know, the body is being created from two joint energies, you know, the ancestors and the planet joining, you know, a bunch of chemical elements and other energetic structures together to form the physical and the energetic body of a human. Ta-da! And then you as a soul, you get to kind of like dive into that and borrow it. And then there is also a contract that at that point is created between you as soul and the body that you're borrowing or inheriting. But borrowing is the right word. So basically, in that moment, you know, Everything in the world is movement and everything in the world is evolution. So don't you worry. As your soul is going through this adventure, so does your body. And the contract that you enter into is that your body is going to support you as a soul, right? For the duration of your life. It will be your quiet companion. It will be your silent companion. It will be something that's there till the rest of your life. And, you know, there there is a lot of control that your body has to give up, right? Because technically, you're the operator. So your body is not in control. But it is still a symbiosis. And somewhere in that contract, you promise that you're going to take care of this entity that is going to do so much for you, right? You know, generally, you sign on a dotted line, I'm going to take as great care of you as I would possibly be able to. That's your commitment. Now, bodies have their own evolution also, right? Generally, your ancestral lines are going to have, you know, the top bodies that they have, and then the bodies that are not so great, right? Hmm. So, you know, and they'll they'll give you one or the other, depending on how much of a resource you as a soul would be to that lineage. You know, what kind of energies are you are you bringing? Are you bringing very desirable energies for that lineage? They'll give you a really good one. Are you bringing so-so energies? Maybe they won't. Hmm. You know. So basically, don't forget that A, your body is borrowed. B, it also has its own path of evolution. And yes, that evolution is very different from from your own evolution. It is a path of service. And by the way, your body is not the only thing that is on the path of service. You know what else on this planet is on the, pa- on the path of service to humanity? Plants. Hmm. Now, animals aren't. Animals are in it for themselves on this planet. For the most part, with very, very few exceptions. So whereas 
your body and plants have both committed to making your life on this planet as easy as possible. And they're very silent, by the way, both of them, right? Because like quite literally whatever you do to them is okay because they are going through their own path and spiral of evolution through service so they don't feel like they need to have a voice look at animals most animals have a voice of some sort they're communicating they're not here for your betterment that's why maybe consider not eating them is my point hmm. as opposed to eating plants is cool because <laughs> that's what they're here for um yeah so basically understanding that your body is actually your number one ally right going back to how do you understand your body so you understand that it's your number one ally right that it wants to keep you healthy and able to achieve whatever path you came here to achieve and by the way you know, there's always like a little script to a life, right? You know, when you're coming into this incarnation, there's a little script that you write or co-write with your guides and, you know, your teachers, your spirit teachers. And that script is being shared with your body, right? So very often your body and say that as a soul, your path is to go through an experience of cancer. Now your body might still choose you and it would, you know, would go through with this cancer experience just because it would serve you as an evolution. But it would also, like, although it's kind of like self-inflicted, so your body has to sign on to a life where you as an operator are going to get it to suffer really, really dearly because cancer is really taxing on the body. And so is chemo, even worse so, right? And yet, because, you know, some bodies choose an incarnation, so to say, or a life of service, it's a very challenging service. So serving a human that chose to have cancer is not necessarily the most pleasurable thing. So the one point that I'm trying to make is, A, don't take your body for granted. B, it probably signed up for a very, very hard mission trying to support you. C, it doesn't belong to you. You're going to have to give it back. So treat it accordingly. Indeed, every time you invest in your body, it invests back into you. So that is where like gratitude in full force. Like that that's kind of like one one of the energetic principles. And it works very, very smoothly and very, very well with your bodies. So every time you would do right by your body, giving it what it needs, sustaining it in a way that it desires. It would always pay you back with more energy, more optimism, more of all that life force, right? That you need to accomplish whatever it is that you came here to accomplish. Now, when you were making that contract with your body, one thing, one thing that happened is you entered in a relationship where you're the master and they're the servant. There's no other way to explain it. And as part of that agreement, your body agreed to be silent. All bodies have a voice unbeknownst to humanity. 
everybody is unique everybody is wise you know our bodies actually hold on a wealth of ancestral wisdom from living on planet earth and you know going through their incarnation cycle for generations upon generations so probably your body is actually better equipped to 3d than your soul is because your soul has probably traveled in all kinds of different dimensions and been on all kinds of different planets now your body has always been on gaia and that being said in some ways it is wiser than you are right mm -hmm. All of these instinctual things, you know, when, you know, when you're scared, your hair rises, you know, or when you're like, actually, you know, the, the hair on your arms also rises when you're cold, for instance, right? All of these things you don't have to think about, but all of that knowledge is inside of kind of like your body, like your body's holding on to that knowledge. Because it's gone through so many incarnations of humans being cold. And it knows exactly what happens and like, you know, what it needs to regulate itself. So our body is a very beautiful system that like self-regulates through hormones, through circulatory system, etc. So it's a very beautiful machine that we don't get, give enough credit to. Now, just because your body, and, and that's what's important, right? For you to have a true relationship with your body, it has to resemble your relationship with another human. What's the difference? Or rather, what signifies a relationship? A relationship is an exchange of information. And it's an exchange of like, I give you, you give me, right? It's not a one-way relationship. One-way relationships rather exist, but they, they're not very healthy or long-term. Right? Well, one person is give, 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 and the other person is all receiving. You know, it's not truly a relationship. It's a one-way road. Which is the relationship, quote-unquote, dysfunctional relationship that all people, or most people on this planet have with their bodies, is the relationship of take and not give. So you dump all kinds of things into your body that it never asked for, doesn't want, and by the way, is going to have to work really, really hard to try to eliminate and process, including... You think the thoughts are going to eventually make it, you know, sick. Or you feel the feelings that are going to make it sick. And yet, you're not getting that response back from it. And by the way, when was the last time that you bothered to actually ask your body how it feels? Developing a true relationship with your body starts like a friendship. Get to know it. You would be surprised your body has a name that is outside of what you call yourself. Your body has a gender that might not be the gender that it is because your body also has a consciousness. That is a little bit twisted because you're like, well, if I'm a girl, then my body must be a girl. Not really. Not really. You might have a girl body, but it could have like a boy spirit, so to say. It also probably has its own wish wishes and desires around, you know, well, does it want to be very fit or does it not care? You know, does it like to eat very healthy or does it not care? There's all of these things that we never bother to learn about our bodies. And then we're all wondering, why is it not an optimal state? 
Why do I not love it? Why am I not getting the energy that I'm supposed to be getting? So it all kind of like starts with developing a relationship with your body. As if it was a different and separate entity away, like away from you. And starting getting that feedback. Now, again, going back to the original contract that you signed off on. You're the master, it is a slave. Or a servant. I guess servant is a little milder way of putting it. So your body is not meant, or rather, it didn't sign on to communicate with you unless you truly ask it to. That is why still the origin of disease and all of that psychosomatic stuff is so unbeknownst and hidden from a lot of people. This is the information that's easy to get and your own body is going to tell you and communicate that to you, but you're gonna have to be the one to stretch out your hand and start the dialogue. You're gonna have to be the one to introduce yourself and see how it's feeling every day. Do a quick check-in, see what's missing, and then get really good at reading the signs of your own personal body. Because every body is created equal. Some bodies tolerate a lot of things, other bodies can't, you know? Watch what makes you feel really energetic that you're doing to your body. And I'm not just talking about things that you feed it. But what about things like, what is it, what is it your body truly enjoys? Not you truly enjoy, like reading. You know, you might truly enjoy reading, but does your body truly enjoy reading? Or does it make its, you know, your eyes, eyes strain? It's like really <clears throat> study and feel in your body. What are the things, activities that you do that make it feel really, really good? And try to make a conscious decision of making more of those and doing less of the things that your body doesn't enjoy as much as you can, obviously. So say you notice that your body really, really enjoys baths. So give it baths. Don't give it baths once a year. Don't give it and just do a shower. Like give it a bath three times a week if, if you have to. You know, it'll, like I said, it'll be an energetic exchange that is going to give you back so much more than you invest in it. Make sure that your body's cup is always full. Feed it the foods that it likes. And by the way, it doesn't mean that, and here's like a big distinction to make, your body might love foods, not crave, love foods, that might not be necessarily like healthy by the book. Now, does it doesn't mean that you're going to have to, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to overindulge. No, but like giving your body some of that is, is good. Like it might be healthy for you, right? Again, everything within reason. Um, do you have any other questions on this? Yeah, um, how would you rewrite this contract in this case? Is there like a specific kind of spell? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, no spell, no. Um, you would just... The thing is, I can give you an example, but it should just stem from your heart. But pretty much what you want to say is something along the lines of hello my body um, 
I'm really, really excited to be talking to you for the first time ever in my entire life. Now I know that I have been acting as if you're not my partner in this sometimes. And I know that sometimes I have ignored things that you needed me to do for you. And in general, I don't ever check in with you and I don't feel like we necessarily have a relationship. And I would really love to have a relationship with you. I would love to get to know you. So would you please um, let me get to know you? And would you please send me very, very clear communication and nudges around things that you need fixed? Like, if uh, could you please, you know, could we please establish a relationship where you feel free to speak up when something is not going right? And can we have a relationship where you don't have to tolerate things that you don't want to tolerate from me just because, just because I, you know, in, inhabit you? And that's pretty much all it takes. You know, so like some type of conversation or statement like that. Now, would you necessarily hear back a voice? You know, it depends, you might. But, um, you know, for most of you, it's, it's not like, you know, your, your, your top centers are so evolved that you would be able to telepathically communicate with your body. Although it's actually interestingly enough, for those people, I mean... Everybody has a form of telepathic communication inside of their head. Now, our antennas are a little bit broken and things like that, but actually hearing your body is one of the easiest telepathic communications to hear, period, from anything. Way easier to hear your body than another human or your guide or your higher self or an alien or whatever else you might want to telepathically communicate with. Sounds like a good start. Absolutely. So, and very often it's actually really interesting as I watch humans who are trying to get in touch with their bodies. Everybody has voices in their heads. You know, it's just the thing that you you guys have as humans, right? So it's very hard actually for some people, even when they get that intuitive, not intuitive, when they get that telepathic communication, it actually sounds just like the voices in your head. So it's very hard for you to differentiate and distinguish, like, was it this or am I just making it up? I guarantee you that there's like 99% chance that if you feel in your head, your body is speaking to you, you're most likely right. You're not making it up. You're not dreaming. It is indeed your body talking to you. And that's how it should feel. So just keep going and keep talking, you know. And as you work this muscle, it becomes stronger and becomes communication becomes really, really clear. Another thing that your body is not meant to do is interrupt your activities throughout the day, right? So initially, you would hear uh, your body's communication either through dreams or, you know, through your times of introspection, like a meditation or, you know, when you're stretching, for instance, your body could say something. Or, you know, the more traditional, obviously, way that your body communicates to you is by giving you some type of symptom that you have to deal with. But, like, that is, like, such a point of the last resort where your body's literally tried everything else and you just didn't hear it. So it has to give you a symptom that's a discomfort that you're going to have to deal with because it's painful or something. But um, 
like when you have a true relationship with your body, one other thing that you could ask it to do is to send you hits and interrupt you throughout the day if it really needs something from you. Like tell it that it's okay to kind of, you know, knock on your door, so to say, proverbially, at 3 p.m. to tell you that you need this glass of water or to tell you that, you know, you need to like take deeper breaths because it's uh, oxygen deprived or something, right? Uh, because otherwise, unless you tell your body that it is okay to interrupt you for things that are very important to it, it never will. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to interrupt you in the middle of the meeting with your boss. You're not going to get that promotion because your body is not that stupid. One thing you have to understand about it is that it's A, it's on your side. B, it's infinitely intelligent. So don't worry about that. And give it permission to communicate with you whenever it must communicate with you. That's what it what it needs from you. That is the first step in establishing a relationship with it. Second step in establishing a relationship is acting on the communication that your body gave to you. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, if your body tells you to quit smoking, I don't know if it would, somebody's feel okay about smoking, by the way, then you're going to have to stop. There's no way around it. Like if you truly are committed to having a relationship with your body, because it would never ask too great of a sacrifice for you. And honestly, it came here to serve you in the first place. And that dynamics is not going to change. So it's going to take a hit for you every time, no matter what. So if it came through with a certain type of communication for you, do yourself a favor and act on it. Otherwise, it is, again, it's a one-sided relationship. And eventually, you know, the the voice of your body is going to get quieter and quieter and quieter. And at one point, it might just stop communicating to you because... Whoever wants to talk to someone who never gets their, you know, who never heeds their advice. Nobody. And uh, as I understand, um, the body has uh, its own consciousness. Yes, it's not like human consciousness. It's a little bit more elemental. Uh, I guess less... I don't want to say less sophisticated. Um, it's not like your brain and it's not like your mental body, but yes, it mm -hmm. does. And it has its own, it's not collective. Well, it is collective with a little twist and collective in the sense that, you know, obviously because all, all of the bodies that you could possibly have on planet Earth originally came from planet Earth, there is that collective consciousness of all bodies, yes. But the consciousness that it shares and you know resembles most um, ardently is its own lineage, so to the family line. So that is the closest communication that your body bodies are going to have. Like you know, within the familial line, like I said, there are multiple different body types, so they like really hold on to a lot of like ancestral. So like. A lot of ancestral trauma is being passed through the body. A lot of ancestral blessings are being passed through the body. In that sense, your body has a consciousness and a memory. And not just of your life, but of all the other lives that this particular ancestral lineage had. It's like a suit 
right, that has been worn 3,000 times before within a particular family. Makes sense. And so there are certain, you know, tears, you know, proverbial tears and patches that this suit has on it. And it also has a memory of all of the lies that were lived in, in it prior to you. Got it. Yeah. And um, is it possible to look at the collective kind of body, right? All kind, all bodies of the planet, and uh, see if they have a message for the humanity. Absolutely. Like, what would they tell the humanity? Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking. I'm connecting with that. That's actually a really fascinating exercise. Now let's look at women first. Ooh, okay. A lot of... So, okay. A lot of female bodies right now are not in their optimal state. And the reason is actually emotional. So there is a big chunk of women that are very critical of their bodies. So they look at them, pretty much almost every woman out there looks at herself in the mirror and doesn't matter how tall, skinny she is, perfect, or even if she's a model. There is like this common refrain of I'm not loving my body. There is something wrong with my body. Um, you know, if something is too small or it's too big or I don't like the proportions or I have cellulite or uh, my skin is sagging. So there's just like a lot of negative emotions associated with body image and self-perception because of within women that causes them to not feel secure, that causes them to not feel loved that causes them to not feel wanted. Um, and that's attracting a lot of... So basically, like, the bodies that this woman inherited, they don't have to be that way because pretty much, say, like, your body has certain parameters, right? The body that you came in. And then so these parameters are actually stretchable. Uh, and they're stretchable depending... They would stretch depending on your own self-image your emotional and mental state throughout your life. So the parameters, right, are like, okay, like how tall can this body get? How fat, I guess, without trying to offend anyone, how fat or how heavy, like what's the, the weight range that this body could have? You know, you know how... Uh, like it has a little bit of a range, like including like how big would the breasts be and how like big would the butt be and like how skinny would the waist be. Depending on your own perception of yourself or certain conditioning from your environment, your body could stretch itself into its very optimal state. You know, there's like this gold, you know, gold section, gold state of everything which is like basically the most divinely beautiful state that a particular thing can be. And then there is a deviation from that state, and those deviations can be quite plentiful. 
So your body always has its own perfect optimal state of health. Now, women are absolutely not there as a society. So while they, a lot of them are inheriting bodies that could be perfectly beautiful, so many of them are completely uncomfortable in their bodies. And the part that is the most deformed is from waist down to like um, a little bit above the knee. That is the part where they hold on to a lot of trauma. So a lot of their self-confidence issues are in their yellow and orange chakras. So very naturally, you know, the part about the or the, the physical capsule around the orange and yellow chakras is not going to be in its optimal state. So you have a lot of sagging skin, you know, you have a lot of stretch marks. So like, you know, when women have uh, children, they don't necessarily ever go back to, a lot of them don't ever go back to perfect pre-birth bodies, right? Which is actually also a collective agreement that once you have a baby, you're going to look like crap. So women expect that to happen, which is actually a fallacy. A human female body could go back to its absolutely perfect golden state upon giving birth, upon giving as many births as is needed for it. It doesn't have to have stretch marks, sagging skin, or any of that mess. It's like a self-inflicted thing that is also perpetuated for women in the collective. So that's kind of like the female body. Is that good enough? Do you need more? Yeah, and uh, does it... um collective body has anything to say maybe if it's possible absolutely like to all the women it says that if only it didn't have to spend the time to clean up all the toxicity that's being created within the body unbeknownst to the woman by her feeling insecure and unlovable, it would have the time to actually fix her scars, fix her stretch marks, fix her cellulite and her, you know, excessive belly. <laughs> like there's a lot of like frustration with women around their bellies and their stomachs. They're not perfectly flat, blah, blah, blah. So it just really is drained of cleaning up that toxicity because every day that woman wakes up there is a mirror everywhere in every house there is a mirror now wasn't always the case so when there were no mirrors women were so much more accepting of themselves and others and then the mirror because like mirrors used to be really expensive in the middle ages right so the only way you would really see your reflection would be in the water, you know, which is not really a perfect reflection anyway. So like women were just used to have a much, much, much more positive view of mirror. Not only do you have that in the, in the current society, but you also have, so you have a mirror that reflects exactly where you are today, every day. And then you have that. And then you have scales in the bathroom. A lot of women have scales in the bathroom. So 
not only does your mirror tell you, oops, you don't look optimal, but then your scales tell you, whoops, you're a pound heavier than you should be. And that's it. It's like a downward spiral. Not only that, but then you also have social media, you have television, which shows you all these unattainable images of what like a perfect body would look like, right? And half of these women, by the way, are like bulimic, anorexic or whatnot. Like nobody's talking about that. You're just seeing a perfect picture. And so because this contemporary society on top of having mirrors also has television, that gets exacerbated. Meaning you understand what the golden standard is for the society. And then you look in the mirror, you're not it. And so that creates this layer of toxicity. And what this collective female body just wants women to know is that this toxicity is a lot for it. And it's a daily toxicity. Every day, every every time this woman looks into a mirror, there's another uh, like toxic injection. And it's a lot of toxicity. Like it only is able to work through itself with like portion for today and then there's tomorrow you get a new portion so if only you could train and coach yourself to actually one one aspect is don't look in the freaking mirror or don't look at it every day don't look at it on weekends your body is going to thank you for it or rewire which is a much more ideal situation rewire your brain to think one good thought a day about your body. Start noticing the things that you like. Start changing your conversations that you're having with yourself around your body. Right now, most conversations, they're 75% negative for women. We need to get to at least 50-50 for the body to start getting a break. That's the women. For men, yeah, okay. A lot of men are lethargic, as in they don't necessarily feel like their bodies. So, like, if I look at the collective consciousness of masculinity, and by the way, you have to understand that I'm looking from boys to you know the elderly right and i'm doing this collective snapshot so if you're in your prime and your testosterone is through the roof and you're all ripped and are super happy with your body think about it everybody else that lives on this planet that might not be that so with men um There is a lot, kind of same, like a lot of trauma in the yellow center. So a lot of men are actually, you know, having bellies, uh, which is like their biggest. So that the two big things that bother men about their bodies is that they have a belly and that they don't have a bicep. <laughs> Those are the two things that I'm, that are coming through the collective in terms of like how men perceive their bodies and what they don't feel like they're living up to the standard, right? So they don't necessarily feel like 
again there there is a little bit of a similarity because in the same way that there is like this unrealistic view of like what a female body should look like all these bodybuilders and like hollywood actors that are working out like crazy like six hours a day to trying to beef up those muscles they're all being placed right in front of you right in front of men to be able to compare themselves to that which they're not right being that beefed up is actually not really normal for uh, a man um so in, in other words it's not so easy to put Schwarzenegger type muscle on for a guy. Like you really have to make that your life's purpose. A really, really healthy masculine body is actually very lean. It's like very lean muscles. It's muscular, but it's very lean. It's not beefed up. Beefed up muscles actually also don't, you know, don't really necessarily uh, transmit energy or receive energy very well. So um, they actually prevent, you know, men from being flexible, which is not a good thing, right? So being very lean, almost like a runner type lean, is a lot better for men than being beefed up in bodybuilders. Um, the trauma on the uh, physical side for men is in the belly area, like I said. Their yellow chakra is not operating properly, meaning... They would love to have more personal power and more confidence than they currently have. So a lot of men feel like they're not able to make enough money. A lot of men feel like they're not able to provide the right life for themselves and their families or their wishes and what they would love to have versus their means and what they're able to make are not necessarily correlated or not in the same bucket. So what ends up happening is, again, they're developing these bellies as a protective mechanism they're trying to protect their centers from the rest of the world by developing this belly because they don't want to intake all of the criticism and expectations and the weight of the world that like kind of like comes with being a man today so if we were to but there's a lot less self-criticism actually like men are not really that critical of their bodies and honestly like when they do work out it's not necessarily because they're like oh i look like crap and that's that that means i'm not worth something but it's more so well i don't look good enough to get a mate or to get laid and that's why they would go and work out so like the the motivations are a little bit different here but if i look at what their bodies are saying but at the same time men die everybody dies earlier than women for example are you asking how that's connected to their bodies? Yeah. Is it connected to their bodies? Does it mean that men understand their bodies less? Mm, it has nothing to do with understanding their bodies. It has a little bit something through the move of energy and them not being able to replenish that energy. Oh. Yeah. So they expand more than they're able to take in. And so they like their battery runs low. Women in general are a little bit, it's a little bit less of the go, go, go active. It's a little bit more of a passive. And so they don't burn out so frequently. And they're also a little bit better at replenishing because women are water, right? So fire burns out. Just your, your guy, you know, the fire burns out really quickly unless you feed it, right? Yeah. So men are not really good at feeding their fire. So they, there's a lot of lethargy, as I said. 
they become very lethargic as in slow and lazy as as they age not of course not when they're boys not when they're in 20s 30s like most men in their 40s already displaying the the symptom of being like the symptoms of being lethargic that's why you have this proverbial you know my husband came from work and he only wants to watch tv type of situation whereas i came from work and i need to do x y and z around the house right as a woman that's like a complaint that women have and the reason being is like your guy is not a bad person he has not figured out how to replenish his own energy so by the end of the day he is truly legitimately empty <laughs> there's there's very little that's left he's given it all for the jump with women it's a little bit differently like they don't really you know perhaps again like the, the energy just flows differently and they it's a little bit of a more like less of a jump and more of just like a free floating dance on how they extend and expand energy and how they replenish that energy it's a lot more viscous and flowy as opposed to masculine energy you know when, when a man has like a project or something they're working towards they just expand massive amount of energy really quickly to a point that they can get tired after an hour of work if you know it's like something really meaningful they really want like they can really give it a lot of energy up front so masculinity needs to learn how to replenish that energy one way actually to replenish masculine energy is by having a very harmonious relationship with your woman because a woman just happens to have more access to the energy and she is actually one of her inherent purposes is to fuel her guy so he doesn't burn out that's the exchange right like the woman is a lot more and better equipped to getting the energy from nature to getting the energy from cosmos in some ways and that's why actually a lot of men uh, become successful when they have a wife that's like freely sharing their energy with them it's a lot easier for a married guy to become successful than for a single guy long term and like we're talking like building humongous wealth we're not talking making your first three million dollars um is it clear yeah very clear okay mm -hmm. Um, moving on and moving forward to what their bodies, what men's bodies are actually saying with the messages. The messages, if you could only breathe and let go daily of all the tension that's in your belly area. If you could only detox all of the pressure that's in that area i could have time and resources to regenerate you and get you more energy that you crave so breathe in deeper and breathe out all the darkness all the negativity all the pressure all the broken promises and all of the things that you wish you could accomplish but you don't and let go of the weight of the whole world from your shoulders stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders you have a support system 
there is a big support system for you. You don't have to do this alone. So breathe in life energy freely because you have an unlimited access to it. There will always be life energy for you to breathe in and be free. And just let go of all the things that are stopping you day in and day out. That's the message. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing this message with us. And uh, now I'm going to end this session. I'm asking the higher self to receive to where it belongs with much love and much thanks for the help and information that has been given Maria today. I know she's really going to appreciate it. Now I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely. Что за канале на улице?